As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I am Ben Standing and I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. Excited to be back here on the podcast. Coming to you Sunday morning, uh, the Washington football team played Friday night, and I, I wrote about that, uh, my takeaways for that over on The Athletic. You can check that out. And then on Saturday, I recorded an interview with John Kime from ESPN, also, of course, the host of the John Kime Report podcast. Uh, John and I got into a bunch of stuff. We went into some of the near-term components. Um, wh- what do we make of Curtis Samuels still being out, Ron Rivera still not quite saying that Samuel would be back this week or not. And obviously this is the final preseason game coming up Saturday against the Ravens. If you're going to see Samuel out there in preseason, he's got to start practicing soon. And, you know, this lingering groin injury, what do we make of that? We also got into that right there, that Ron Rivera is still unwilling to just say that Ryan Fitzpatrick is the starter. No, there's no controversy. There's no competition, but why is he unwilling to say it? We, we, we ponder, that what it might mean broadly for the for the team and we got into some other bigger picture topics as well including just simply what do we make of this team for this year now that we're deep into the camp and how do we maintain perspective when we're when it's a forest through the trees situation so a fun conversation as always with John Kime um we'll, we'll also get into a couple quick thoughts uh my own thoughts about the, the game and and also specifically what to watch this week at camp but of course just a quick reminder you can subscribe to this podcast on itunes or spotify or anywhere you do your podcasting but if you are an itunes person i haven't pushed for this in a little bit but i really appreciate it if everybody has a moment to drop a rating and a review i, I think you can drop multiple reviews i don't know how that works but all i can say is that these things help our cause uh, for podcasters when it comes to various charts and people paying attention and all that kind of all that kind of fun stuff of advertising as well. You probably have heard we've got some commercials in here now, which is a good thing. Um, I'll get more to that here in a little bit, but on a different episode. Uh, But anyway, if you have a moment to drop a rating and review, I really appreciate it. Everybody wants to do it right now. When you're hearing this, hit pause, do it. I swear I, I will, I will definitely appreciate it. And of course you can subscribe to the athletic. I've got a new 53 player out, uh, projection out. I wrote that one before the game. Honestly, I don't really think it's changing much if at all. Uh, based on what I saw. And I've got uh, more work coming out this week, including a fun project coming out on Tuesday that I hope everybody will 
check out. Um, all right, so let me get to a couple quick thoughts here about um, wh where we're at here with regards to this team. Obviously, Jared Patterson is a huge story, right? Huge story because he's a little guy running, running really well in football games. Uh, we knew he would be a fun preseason hero. He's become that for sure. But it's not just a fun story like your like our Marcus Masons type guys or, or Mac Brown in recent years. This one's actually going to be able to, to stick around. I think Patterson is making this team. I had him on the team before the Bengals game. No reason to change that view now. And I know that in in tr normal times we might think, hey, a five foot seven undrafted free agent running back. You can slip this guy through waivers, get him on the practice squad. You don't have to burn a roster spot. I understand that that's tr a traditional view of this. I don't think that's at the actual case. Uh, not only is Patterson proven to be, looks to be a pretty good player and an NFL player at that. Uh, Ron Rivera made an interesting point um, in his press conference uh, on, on Saturday after the game. He said he was asked by our friend Matt Paris. Like it, it, Matt sort of threw out the idea of that it feels like a lot of the undrafted players, undrafted free agents that stick um, are running backs. And I don't know if that's a definitive fact. I don't think Matt was saying it was definitive either, but he posed that to Ron. And one thing that Rivera said was because undrafted, because running back position has been devalued, some of those players are sliding further into the draft. And a guy like Patterson, therefore, maybe actually does get drafted if we're talking about 10 years ago or more. But now he slides out. I think Washington recognized they got a good value. They paid him like he was a seventh-round pick. And I think he's making this team in part because they think other teams would scoop him up now that they've had a look at him. Um, and, and Washington doesn't want to give other teams a second chance. Whether that means they keep four running backs, that's something John and I talk about. We'll get into that in a few minutes. But that's something to keep in mind with Patterson. And it's something to keep in mind with some other positions as well. I'll get to that in one second. So just things to keep in mind this week. Tight end, Samus Reyes to Mark Hemingway, both in the concussion protocol program. Look, obviously, you know, health first, so there's no no, no need to rush, but this is the last opportunity to uh, to play in a preseason game, so you're probably going to have to get on the practice field sooner than later if they're going to play in this game. I don't really think this preseason game matters for Samus Reyes. When you sign a guy like that, and a player with zero NFL or zero football experience, I should say, you know that it's going to be a long haul investment. I think based on what they've seen, Washington's going to be happy with the returns they've received so far, and there's probably no reason to deviate from that. The question will be, if you release him, do you think he clears waivers? I wouldn't be convinced of that. Um, a lot of teams, other teams thought were interested in Reyes based on the workout he gave at the University of Florida, based on the, the, the one game he had against New England. You saw some positive attributes and you know again with the new practice squad rules you can kind of have a guy one or two players on your roster that you're kind of stashing in broad daylight I guess um, because you can bring in a, a, another tight end on game day with the practice squad rules you have Tamara Hemingway you have Ricky Seals Jones I think those guys probably clear waivers and if I'm those guys I would probably look at this situation and think that behind Logan Thomas, you would have two rookies and John Bates and Samus Reyes. There's an opportunity here to play. So I think Washington will probably have essentially four tight ends, but Reyes is the third and then one of those vets on the side. Again, that's my that's my assumption, August 22nd. They don't have to make a final call until August 31st, but we'll see if, if either one of those guys are back on the field uh, this week or not. Um, another one to keep in mind, Casey Tuhill on the defensive line. He's been out now for some time with a toe injury. I think Tuhill was, had a shot to make this team um, uh, as one of the backup defensive ends to Chase Young and Montez Sweat. We already know that James Smith-Williams looks like he's going to be one of those players. 
And that leaves now, who else? William Bradley King, who had a strip sack against the Bengals. You have Shaka Tony, another seventh round pick uh, rookie. You have a guy like Daniel Wise, who's getting no no attention, but he has been continually making plays during camp. He's been moving up higher in the rotation. He was with his second unit um, in this game against the Bengals. And he also, he continued to make some, to make some noise out there in the field against Cincinnati. I would put him sort of at the back of the pack, but I don't think there's, I think it's a, there's a world where he can make the team, but more specifically, he's the kind of guy you can probably slip through waivers and give you more, uh, more depth. Anyway, if two Hill's not back soon, I don't know how he's making this team over William Bradley King or Shaka Tony if they keep nine, which is my current projection, but I do think he's interesting and, and would be wondering what they think of him as well. Lastly, um, keep this in mind. Uh, my, my sense is that teams out there are monitoring Washington for at least two specific positions when it comes to the waiver claims. One is the defensive secondary, specifically cornerback. One is offensive line, specifically offensive tackle. At cornerback, no. I don't mean William Jackson or Kendall Fuller or Jimmy Moreland or Benjamin St. Juice. Um, uh, Fuller, by the way, was, was, was just purely rested. Uh, Rivera said against the Bengals he didn't play. No injury there. William Jackson has been dealing with a thigh bruise, so they gave him some more time off there as well. Those are your top four corners. From there, I have Tory McTire as my fifth guy. I put him on my 53 going into the game. He then ends up starting um, against the Bengals. That seems like a good sign to me. Whether they keep six corners, that's going to be part of the fun debate. But then you have Daryl Roberts, Troy Apke, Danny Johnson. Again, it's, this is part of what John and I talk about. Context is important. Whatever you think of these players individually, you have to broaden it out to see what other teams are interested in or, or, or need. And other teams are really needy at cornerback. And these guys have NFL experience. Um, there's other attributes that teams may like. So from a depth perspective, they may be more attractive to other teams and it may be to you when I read off those names and think, eh, not a big deal. And maybe it's not a big deal. But if Washington wants to keep um, have, have six corners around, whether on the active roster or with the practice squad, they're going to have to think to themselves, who do we think we can clear waivers or not? And I know teams are looking at Washington's situation at corner. Same on the offensive line. I had Washington keeping 10 offensive linemen for a reason for, for a good chunk of time. But since then, other, other needs have come up. You can't keep seven receivers and four running backs and 10 offensive linemen. This doesn't work. Uh, David Sharp has been on the COVID list for some time now. It's, you know, hopefully he's okay, but obviously in terms of making the roster, that's probably not going to help the cause there. Uh, you have the center situation, Keith Ismail, uh, uh, Tyler Larson, John and I actually do get into that one specifically, so I won't step on that here, but, you know, I don't know if there's room for both of those guys to make the team. You have Wes Martin, who was starting the game last year. Again, doesn't matter what, don't, it doesn't matter what we think if he could start here, but he can play in this league and other teams are keeping interest. And then you have the offensive tackle spot. This is more of the extreme. But when Washington has Charles Leno and Sam Cosme and Cornelius Lucas and Sadiq Charles and Sharp, and there's also David Steinmetz who was hanging around here last year. Can, is there somebody here that's interesting for some for other teams? Maybe to even make a trade if Washington were to somehow make Lucas available. I seriously doubt that they would. Uh, you need three tackles in this day and age. He would be the third guy. But, you know, Sadiq Charles has been playing a lot of tackle in camp. So, you know, you never know, but I'm just saying teams are monitoring Washington, at least in those two spots. So just something to keep an eye on as you're making your own 53 and you're trying to figure out who might clear waivers and who might not. That might, those might be two spots where it's maybe a little trickier to clear waivers than expected, but we'll see. Um, all right. Um, let's get to it. Um, here's my conversation 
with John Keim from ESPN talking Friday's game against the Bengals, some roster battles, some long-term components, and just basically, is this, what do we think of this team? Is this team any good? Let's get to my conversation with John Keim right after this. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. All right. Joining the podcast, as promised, the dean of the Washington football team, Beat Media. I don't know if he likes that term, but I guess it's just the surreality. It's, it, it, is, it, it is what it is, Ben. It is, it is what it is. Um, he's the guy who we uh, I wasn't around when he got his rookie hazing. I want to know what song he sang. Uh, but here he is, John Kime, ESPN. Uh, appreciate the time. We just got done with Rivera. You, you, you got a little rest after the game. The, the training camp grind continues. How are you feeling? The, pre, the, the season's not close yet, but we're deep into preseason and training camp. How, how, how is a veteran like you maintaining after all this time? Oh, man, this is why I ride my bike a lot in the offseason and try to maintain it because you just kind of have to um, it allows you to deal with the mental aspect of it better. If your body feels better, at least for me, and I learned that early on that I felt better when I exercised more um, before camp, during, you know, whatever, right, just riding the bike, doing whatever. So I think but it's funny, Ben, because this has been a this is different with the with the way it was structured this year. I felt like it allowed you to be fresher because usually we're at two practices a day. And when you're at two practices a day, you get two cracks at players to talk to them. And so there's a, as you know, there's a lot more transcribing, a lot more to do, a lot more sitting there. And I would take the other step because what it meant is you're out there talking to guys, developing relationships. You can just be like, we would sit there, you know, this, like we'd sit there and BS with Josh Norman after practice. Wasn't talking about like techniques or all that. It's like just, whatever things get to know them. And that's where you do that. So, but that also lengthens the day. So I think we've had some shorter days comparatively, and it's been a quieter camp. I'm going to do a sign of the cross right now, but it's been a quieter camp than in past some past years. So that helps too. I think it helps all of us. Don't you? Yeah, I mean, you know, so yeah, so for the walkthroughs under Jay Gruden, we would go out there and see it now. And everybody else, too, every other coach. Yeah, and so to be clear, at least the ones I did watch under Jay Gruden, it was the epitome of, oh, my Lord, this is a waste of my time. There's nothing really happening. Josh Norman's got a soccer ball out there. There's not much going on, but we had to wait around, and you're doing other stuff. And then, like you said, you still then, once the players are coming off the field, you're really back on the clock doing that. And you're right. Now here, we do the morning. We see a lot. We talk to everybody, whoever, you know, whoever they bring out. And then we go 
right or live our right. and go back to living lives quicker so yeah you're right that is a good point about feeling uh a, a little refreshed i will say like i've tried to uh meditate uh this this summer leading into this because like i needed to do something to de-stress last yeah. year obviously it was a lot going on for all of us but like i was really like fried so i was like yeah. trying to figure out and um i've tried to exercise i, I, I have not maintained a steady a steady re- regimen but the meditation i think has helped to sort of keep me grounded and calm and and, and we'll see it come, helps. come october we'll see where i'm at but right it now it's helping but you know it's funny because i learned that early early on i'm you know there was one year when i first got a bike um I brought it up to Carlisle. This is how long ago it was. And I think it was Marty Schottenheimer's year. We were up in Carlisle and Paul Woody and Joseph White and I would go bike riding every morning and initially start off as 45 minute rides and it graduated to about an hour and a half and sometimes longer. But I also noticed how fresh I was going to practice. And Marty, you know, Schottenheimer's practices were a, were a bitch. I mean, even for even covering it, you felt exhausted because it's two days full pads, which means just a lot more action. And just imagine if you had Twitter back then and you're having to do that twice a day, you're doing the same, paying attention to that same level intensity. And then again, there's just more going on, more to learn, which was great, but it did add to, and I think, you know, depending on what time they structure the day, but I noticed that with the biking, I was fresher going into practice and like, well, I've got to continue this. And then it stretches in the off season. And, and then, you know, you just, cause as you know, like, I mean, listen, what we do, we're not curing cancer. We're not, doing anything that's like contributing to the you know to civilization's um you know greater glory or whatever like that we're writing about football but it's something people care about and it is public and so like when it's very public it adds a level of stress and so you have to be able to deal with that so there was one year i was going to do yoga and i didn't i ate better and i did more um i I kind of increased my stuff in the off season to get better but um yeah you know you, you need to do that and it's at least, I don't know, especially because as you get older um, and you get younger reporters, you don't want to fall by the wayside. <laughs> uh, there you no, go. I, I, I hear you on that. I mean, uh, I, I, when all my uh, Seinfeld references or, or other references go way over the head of everybody around me, I'm like, oh, no, there's a big there's a uh, age gap here. But it's not just like you said, it's not just about my corny references. It's about yeah. The, the, whatever stamina yeah, being, yeah. being around you got you got you got you got to stay young and stay sharp yep. um and all that um speaking of old guys ryan fitzpatrick let, let's go let's go to let's go to that i wasn't really going to lead off with the quarterbacks but we just we're, we're talking saturday afternoon ron rivera just spoke to the local media a few minutes ago uh recapping a little bit of the of, of, of friday night's game and getting into some other topics as well and we we all sort of discussed this last night at, at the game that hey you know what it's now two preseason games in and he has not officially said that Ryan Fitzpatrick is the starting quarterback. I think you and I were among the people that said from the start, there's no, there's no competition here. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick. We can move on, but nonetheless, this is still out there. I looked it up last year. He named Haskins a starter. I think September 2nd ahead of the September 13 game, but at least then like, uh, you know, I mean, Haskins obviously was unproven. So whatever, this is pretty obvious. So he was asked today about this. And here's part of what he said, quote, he's like, I can do it, but whatever. He's like, we don't play for another 21 days. Whenever it's time to say it, I'll say it. Whenever we have to put out a first depth chart, you guys will see it. And then he goes on to say, we get caught up in something that's not as important as practicing, developing, and learning and doing things the right way. Okay. So here's my question, I guess. 
this has nothing to do with Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm going to right. assume. I mean, I think he Rivera didn't clearly didn't love everything that Fitzpatrick did last night, said Fitzy was a uh, was maybe overcooking a few of his throws and and things along those lines. And for the second game in a row, they did not get in the end zone, the first team offense. And I'm sure that's something that they want to continue to work for. But again, there's no real competition here. So why is he saying, why is he unwilling to say that he is the starter? I'm just going with the assumption that he's really saying to the entire team don't get caught up in thinking you've made it when you haven't. So I'm not going to name anybody the starter effectively, even this guy, even though we know it's obvious. That's about as best I can come up with, but I still think it's kind of weird. He just can't say it. It's no been competition. Heineke has been okay at best at times. Nothing that extra- extraordinary. Do you make anything out of this? Or what do you make of why he's unwilling to get, already just say it? Well, first of all, we need Dwight Schrute to get up to him and just say, say it, say it, say it. Because we, 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 you know, we all know, right? But I think I do think that I do think it kind of goes back to what you said, which is um, not wanting anybody to feel comfortable because he wanted. I remember talking to him in the offseason um, had a, for one interview I had and he said, I, like, what's your theme to the players when you come back? And it's now what? So I think he wants them to realize that this year is different than last year. And, and that's going to pertain to the quarterback to I'm sure if we asked him about you know, who's going to start at, excuse me, defensive tackle or somewhere else, he might just say, well, we don't have to do anything for 21 days. That would be a key then, because then we know that it's not just about the quarterback. That's the spot we just always ask about. So I do think there's some of that. I thought going into camp, I wondered if, and Ryan Fitzpatrick talked about this last week, which was he had some hiccups in the spring because he's learning a new, an offense that's new, but also they, he said they kind of process some things differently than he's used to, which led to some of those hiccups. And um, so maybe from a coaching staff, it's like, well, if you don't see some progression in your back pocket, you know, well, maybe we can give more reps to Taylor Heineke. Thing is, in the last couple of weeks, how many times have we seen Heineke with the ones in practice? Basically have we? never. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, saw at some enrichment, there were a couple of reps here and there, but you know, so I think there's, he's certainly not fooling anybody around the league because they all know, and, and all they have to do is read or listen to any one of us. And they know that, well, there is no competition there, but I think it's as much like what you said is not wanting to have people kind of get ahead of the process. And that goes back to Dwayne Haskins and in, in this, in this situation, because I think they seem to be pretty pleased with Haskins up until that point where it's like, okay, now you can relax. The thing is, Ryan Fitzpatrick is not Dwayne Haskins as far as approach and all that. And so I don't know that you'd have to worry about that. Um, but I do think a lot of that goes back to that. And I think he's just, I think there's an overcorrection maybe a little bit from last year, um, you know, and so, but I think it's, I think it's probably all of that. Cause again, we all know we're out there. And, and then the other thing is right after he said that, he was effusive in what he likes about Fitzpatrick and the veteran savvy and what that meant to him. So there's like, well, there's your answer. We all, and he's, and from the beginning, that's what I've always said is like, they like this about him and they keep selling that. Everybody sells that about him. So that matters. He's got it. So we already know it's just like the official naming. It's just, maybe he just doesn't want it to become a story that Rivera says Fitzpatrick is a starter, you know, for whatever reason. So, you know, but we all know the score. So I, I, I want to ask it, it, it a little bit later, a question about maintaining perspective while covering a team. But in terms of that, as I watch Ryan Fitzpatrick play and you see the Fitzpatrick of it all 
the fits magic of it all play out before your eyes. There's some throws you make, you're like, wow, it was really impressive, whether it's in anticipation or just the accuracy or what have you. And then there are other times you're like, oh my lord, like where where is that? There was a sequence last night in in the game where he throws the um like the 29 yard uh, pass to Deami Brown down the field. It's an RPO, good read. They're on the same page. That that, that connects. And then his next like three or four passes were just like total misfires. He, he, he went that Humphreys over the middle at one point. It was nearly intercepted. He overthrew Humphreys, um, the, the subsequent play uh, in, in, in the end zone. And look, obviously the, the defense is doing their thing, but like it, 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 it's hard to get a read as to exactly where this is going to go with Fitzpatrick in part because that's his entire career. <laughs> it's hard to right. know where it's going to go. But in terms of perspective, he is still seems like a pretty good upgrade over what they had last year for all yeah. the obvious reasons. And yet he is not Aaron Rodgers or, or, or any of these top tier quarterbacks. And that's why it's so weird to figure out where this is going. So based on what you've seen so far in, in, in practice and in the games, has your opinion of what this Fitzpatrick experience is going to be changed in any direction? I don't know, because I think the way we've always like, and the way I've always viewed it, and I think others too, is that it's an upgrade over last year, which really tells you how bad last year was is for quarterback play overall. And Alex Smith was a really good leader and guys were very confident with him on the field because of the maturity level they have, the professionalism, they knew he'd get him into a right spot. And so I think all that was good for him, but you also knew as a downfield passer, well, those days were really over. He wasn't, he wasn't a big time threat in that regard. And so, you know, and his, his total QBR was, I think one of the lowest in the league. And so was Haskins and those guys, you know, and so I think, I think that's why I say like, when we, when we look at this year, it's like, it's better than last year. How much better is it? And will it be better for 17 games? And I think it is. Um, so I think that I think that's where some of that perspective is with him. So my, I say that to kind of then get to the expectations for him. Well, Ryan Fitzpatrick is kind of what he is at this point. Now, they all say he's playing better. He feels he's playing better. And it's definitely possible to be playing better because he's got all that wisdom behind him now. And so that's all good. So can he lessen some of those Fitz tragic situations? And if you do then you're in a good spot. And I, I, I don't, you know, I can't, I think for a short period of time that you probably can, but for over 17 games, will that be the case? We don't know because we haven't seen that. You know, the last time he played that was what, several years, five years ago with the Jets, something like that. Um, he's a, is, he a, is he that different of a quarterback now? And so I think I, I kind of look at him as in that 20-ish range where I think he's an upgrade of what they had, but he's certainly not a, right now. You couldn't put him in that top half of the league. Um, so, and, you know, so I, I don't know. I, I think it's, he's an upgrade. I think my expectations probably haven't changed. Um, I think there's some things where you see it live and say, well, maybe there's going to be some more inconsistencies earlier than maybe you anticipated because Kurt, no Curtis Samuel yet, you know, learning the new offense. And the fact that, again, he is going to, do some things that just will be very it's tragic right I mean yeah. that's just it's his career it's his career and and I think there are gonna be a lot of good things too and I do think um the benefit of him I go back to the veteran stuff is that he they really do feel like that he puts them in a good position and that the receivers trust the position he puts them in and the decisions he makes and I even do think 
the one pass I wondered about Friday night was the one over the middle to Humphreys. Well, both of them over the middle, but listen, one of them, on both of them, Terry McLaurin comes open. It doesn't mean it was the wrong decision per se, because you don't always like, okay, guy comes open. Maybe you're not, maybe he's not part of the progression. Maybe this is the right read. And that's where you're supposed to go all along. That's fine. I just, I know that one thing happened. The other thing happened. Um, the one I wondered about mostly though, was the one where he clearly expected Humphreys to keep coming on the one route. And he sat, you know, the linebacker has inside leverage. Humphreys felt blocked. So he stops and the ball keeps coming as if he's expecting to cross face. Is that a bad decision or just a get on the same page situation? Well, on the same on the same play, McLaurin's open on the on, on the right side. But again, you know, is I don't you know. So um, I thought overall his decisions were pretty good. I do think there were some balls that he fired a little bit hard. There were a couple of times where the pressures I think forced. There was one the one to um, there was one to McLaurin on a crosser that if there's no pressure and you lead them. It's a 10-yard gain at least. But because they have to throw inside, it's the right decision, but it's a five-yard gain. So that, to me, was a pressure thing. I think the other one to McKissick, that ball, is, if his arm isn't hit, that's a, that's a good game because it was cleared out for him. It's a good decision. Ball, arm gets hit, can't fall through. Flutter ball, but he catches it, and he still gets a few yards, but he would have gotten a lot more. So, um, you know, I think – I think it's, I think the experience so far has been about what I expected. I think the veteran aspect has been a bigger deal because that's what you hear first and foremost from a lot of guys. Um, yeah. I mean, the reason I, I want to almost discuss this from the overview perspective is like the ultimate question, every, the, the two questions that everybody asks, I presume that asked me, I presume will be you one, what's going to be the team name. We're not talking about that Two, Are they going to be any good this year? And it's so much of it comes down to the quarterback you know, for any team. And in this one, we are talking about the most roller coaster quarterback there is. And right. it's hard to figure this out, even watching them every day in practice. Sometimes it's the, the in, you know, being, you know, seeing, seeing the forest through the trees is a challenge, but you mentioned Curtis Samuel. This is another component. And I asked Rivera about Samuel today. I've asked him about Samuel multiple times because this doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, it's, it's not so much that it doesn't make sense. If he legitimately can't come, he can't practice yet because of this lingering groin injury that's been happening that, that, that happened back in like may, I guess. Okay. That, 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 that's part of the deal. But every time we ask about it, Rivera says nothing to see here. It's all good. Not a big deal. He's not worried about it. Okay. And obviously the coaching staff is familiar with him, but I do want to see how they're going to use Curtis Samuel because uh, in 2019, they used him more on the outside in 2020, the new coaching staff used him more in the slot. I'm being very simplistic, but that was the basic, right. the basic gist of it. And you do have a new, new uh, quarterback in Fitzpatrick. He's got to get on, you know, got to get on the same page and, 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 and practice and know how to, you know, how this guy's going to run routes. Plus again, he's going to line up all over the place. That will affect who else is out on the field and so on. And yet, he Rivera wouldn't even commit today to saying that that Samuel will be that will practice this week. The, the final preseason game is obviously at the end of the week, and I my sense is that he's been ready to go. That he's not. It's not that big of a deal, and yet he's still not going. I, it is weird yeah. to me. And so when we talk about where is his offense going, what is Fitzpatrick about? They clearly have a lot more weapons. It's not just the quarterback upgrade. The receiver upgrade right. is significant across the board. Antonio Gibson going into his second year should be better just based on simply. Uh, having more experience same thing with logan thomas right he looks so right. comfortable out there at he tight does. end um 
And yet, I, I, it's weird to me that the Samuel thing keeps going on. So what do you make of that based on whatever Rivera said today and just the fact that they keep saying it's not that big of a deal, but yet here we are. Well, first of all, the number one question I get asked is, what is Matt Paris really like? So that's the, that's the one I always well, get we can asked. Di- we, we can divert the podcast as an answer to that question. If you like. <laughs> um, no, uh, I think it's – the thing I don't know with him is because with the groin from the beginning of camp, you'd hear they're not that worried about it. It's, it's a very low worry. So I wonder – he was on that COVID list – and we, nobody's ever said if he's had it or not, but he was on there for what, 10 days, 11 days. Yeah. You wonder, it, I don't know. We don't I'm speculate or maybe whatever, but listen, in general, people who have caught that have had some lingering issues afterward. You don't just go back to full strength. So is it the groin or was it something else? Because they are working big time on his conditioning. And last week there was a little bit of a slick field. So they kind of limited them on that way. Um, even though the, the field's in good shape, but they certainly limited them after he was out there the one day. So I wonder what, I do wonder, you know, are we going to see him out there this week? Um, if not, then I think it's like, okay, what is, is it the groin or was it something else that is now maybe he's having to work back from? Because if you, again, in general, People who have had this, even last year, you'd see some players who'd come back and play, but you knew they weren't the same because they didn't even have the same strength or whatever. So, you know, all those things you you wonder about what else could it be and then have them get back to that conditioning level. So this will be a big week. If the weather's good and he's only doing, you know, stretching or some individual, then then it's like, okay, what's going on here? Um, but, you know, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think – I know that they're not as concerned or he'll say they're not as concerned because he's been in this offense, but he hasn't worked with Ryan Fitzpatrick outside of the OTAs in the spring. So I think it's clearly important for him to be back out there. And while they have a couple of weeks before that first game, you don't have three weeks of practices because you're not getting that number of practices every week. Yeah, it's fascinating. And this is just you know, the, the constant game of trying to figure out what is the coach saying Right. What 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 is what is what is a message he's saying subtly? What is something he's clearly right. if he's not saying something, what does that mean? And it just feels odd that this keeps going on. And you're right to mention the the COVID component and we don't know, but right, he was he was already out when camp opened and then COVID came like a day right. later, I think, right? So right. they were already telling us he was he was out at that point. Um yeah, it's but it's, at that time, even at that time, you know, the word was the concern was low. So that that's that's why that's why I wonder if you know and again I mean they were very big on he needs to build up his conditioning um so we'll we'll see this will be a big week to me for that yeah absolutely and I think you know to the question of where are they going to go I'm not saying it all hinges on Curtis Samuel but like they signed him for a a reason yeah and and he's because I mean like Terry McClellan is a receiver a very good very good one he's a receiver Curtis Samuel is the, the 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 Swiss Army knife who will play all over the place. You kind of want to. It's not the easiast thing to integrate if you're going right. to use him in all these different ways. So you'd like to uh, you'd like to see it. All right. So here's another thing that Rivera said today that that sort of caught my uh, caught my ear. He was asked by uh, JP Finley, "Does draft status matter when you're looking at players and you're making some final roster decisions?" Obviously, we're all discussing our 53 man projections and all that stuff constantly. Uh, Rivera says, "Quote." Maybe the only only time 
it's ever important is the first year. After that, you start looking at guys that are going to help you right, right now. You don't really want to cut a guy you drafted right away, but you want to play the guys that will give you the best opportunity to win. Sometimes uh, he said, yeah, he adds, there's a point every now and then where you just have to admit a mistake to, and move on. And I hear that. And of course, certain names of players come to mind with this team. I think for some people, you know, we looked at a guy like Antonio Gandy golden, who, they drafted in the, four, in the fourth round last year. This this coaching staff, at least, it wasn't the same front office people, but same coaching staff, a lot of the same scouts. Um, and obviously, basically, it was a redshirt year between the injury and the the, the adjustment period. It was, you know, he didn't do, do anything. And then they go out and bring in a bunch of other receivers, and it became a question for some people of, is he going to make this team? My, my basic stance was, you don't give up on a fourth-round pick you just drafted. But he addresses that, you know, not speaking to Gandy Golden here, but addresses that by saying, hey, at some point, it is what it is. And they do have a lot of other receivers. Now I've had Gandy Golden on my 53 the whole time. I'm not changing that. And he has a pretty good game last night. He has the, 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 the ball he snatched uh, in the air for the two point conversion. Um, and, you know, to me, he's on this team, but then potentially that means you're keeping seven receivers because of the whole punt returner circumstance. So I'm just wondering, like that, that was the first name that came to mind, but I, would still when I heard that quote, but I still put it Gandy Gold on the positive side. Do you look at anybody else on this team and think to yourself, based on that, that draft status does or doesn't matter um, to a degree that you wonder about um, as we're getting closer here to the to the, to the finish line with the roster? I think Keith Ismail would be one that you'd have to wonder about because yeah, um, he certainly went came into camp on that fringe. He has he's been working. Uh, Tyler Larson has been working as the number two center. And they have other guys who have position flexibility with the guards and the tackles. And so I wonder about him. And I think, you know, he's a guy you could probably sneak on the practice squad. And I, so that's where I think he's something, I think, I think sometimes too with this, because again, I think the initial assumption was, well, Gandy Golden, that's, you know, so it doesn't matter. But if you start to see what you want to see, which is the reason why you drafted him, then it does matter because it's why you drafted him. But if you're not seeing something and you drafted him, if you're not seeing what you liked about them and he's a draft pick, then you can, you know, snip, snip, you know, another yeah. office reference. Um, <laughs> um, but, um, you know, you, you so I, I think I do think like I think Ismail would be the one that it would probably apply to the most. And I'd have to look at even who other some of the looking at the draft picks from last year. But I think he's the one that would jump out Yeah, where you say you're not just going to keep him because he's a draft pick. I think with Gandy Golden, it's you're going to see if you liked him because he makes downfield contested catches, and then you say after the game that he made some contested catches, essentially that with the, he was able to use the size and all that. Well, that's the reason why you drafted him. So why would you give up on him now if you're starting to see the reason why you drafted him? So that's the one where it doesn't apply just because he said that doesn't mean he's going to cut all these picks. It's, you know, you look at individually and like, are they showing what they liked about them before the draft? Yeah. Uh, I Ismail is exactly, you know, uh, the, the, the other guy that, that, that I was thinking about. I remember when they signed Tyler Larson, you're like, okay, a Carolina guy. I'm like, wait a minute. This guy's right. been around the league. If you're bringing him in from Carolina, you, we, we kind of know what that means, but you already have Larson. You just signed Chase Rie to an extension. And, you know, at that <laughs> point, we didn't know exactly how the, everything would shape out, but it got the male model. Yes, there's the Zoolander Toth uh, component here as well. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, like I I kept having Ismail on my roster because of this exact thing. 
They drafted him last year. He had a good reputation coming out of USC. Right. Why not? I mean, obviously we didn't see him play last year because, you know, the Chase Reed doesn't get hurt. But then they bring in Larson, and now Larson lately has been playing ahead of him right. consistently camp did last night. And I'm with you on that. It does feel like that could be an example of where they um, they they make that, that 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 move. So to that end, if Keith Ismail is released, I don't think anybody's going to go, "Wow, that's a stunning cut." This isn't Adrian Peterson last year, or even a Sean a Sean Davis. But the surprise cut is a is a is a favorite topic of mine. We we all brought it up in Richmond a bit. I said on here that if, if at the start of all this, if I had to give somebody who was none of us are going to call that none of us are going to project. I went with Adam Humphreys because they just had a lot of other receivers. He's had the injury history. He's not part of the punt return team. They have other slot guys. Obviously Adam Humphreys looks to be solid and, and that's all fine. But the point is a surprise. I, I thought about this earlier, knowing you were going to come on. I, I didn't have anybody that's like jumping out at me, but the one guy who I think is sort of this guy, and this is in part because Jared Patterson has turned into everybody's favorite running back is Peyton Barber and two things that stood out to me in the game last night made me want to think about this again one is that multiple times they use Antonio Gibson in in short yardage circumstances now he didn't it didn't always work out he did make one uh third and one but then he got stuffed a a fourth and one right on um on on, on another play and you know Rivera talked about the thing that had some hesitation with Gibson and this was the thing right I mean it's amazing he only had like 38 carries his last year at Memphis and then became an NFL starting running back of course there'll be an adjustment period but this is a key component that short yardage and it's not realistic I don't think to have five foot seven Jared Patterson take that role however Jared Patterson played with the starters last night that's not nothing and he was the first running back other than Gibson to get a carry so I guess I, 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 in the 53, I just did, I had four running backs. Don't like it. I don't feel good about it, especially when you have Samuel who will play in the backfield. So I don't like keeping four running backs in general, but I'm there now. But if you made me pick a surprise cut, I guess I would go with Peyton Barber because I think Jared Patterson's safe. I had him on the 53 before no reason to change it now. And they did seem to want to try Gibson in some of these short yarder spots. So where it doesn't have to be barber pick anybody else whatever you want but like what are your thoughts on the barber part of this or is there somebody else that you think maybe is someone to keep an eye on that that could be a surprise i think with patterson if he makes it and i i would keep him um and i would you know if i had to do my 53 today i'm putting him on there not because he's this great camp story because we you know listen i've seen every year there's this guy who rises up and and everybody says you can't cut this guy they cut him, they keep him on the practice squad, nobody ever picks him up. Or if they do, they never amount to anything. That's happened all the time. And every team has a guy where he did, where the fan base says, you can't cut this guy. That said, I think there's something different with this kid. <clears throat> I think he's a kid who, you know, sometimes you see a guy and you think you can, he can do something, then you hear some stuff about him behind the scenes and maybe he's not, maybe it's just more this and he's not picking X, Y, and Z up. So you know that they're really not going to factor in the future like you think they would based on their numbers in the preseason. I think this kid will. I think like I I have liked this kid from the first, you know, just the way he catches the ball, um, the way he runs his routes, I think is pretty good. Um, I like how he can make some guys miss. He had a nice little jump cut in the hole yesterday that I really liked. Um, Now, 
you've got to do it against starting levels because that's the level you got to do. When you do it in the second half, that's good. But what that does is earns you more reps. And like he got last night, he did get some first team reps because they need to see too. They can't, you can't just go by, well, he did well in the fourth quarter. All right, he's going to be great. Now that earns you more reps against the ones. And that's what he got. So I'm saying all that. And I think the other thing that was a key is really good kickoff return. And then after the game, Ron Rivera talks about him being dynamic, possibly as a kick returner. You don't get rid of those guys. You don't get rid of guys who are potentially dynamic because they, because how many guys are like that? So it adds up to him. If he makes it as a fourth back, you've got to play special teams. And that would be his role. So you could keep, you could have four backs and have four active if his role right now is just as a kick returner. Because right now, who's he going to go in there ahead of? You're not putting him in there ahead of McKissick. McKissick's done what he's done. How would McKissick look if he's playing in the fourth quarter of some of these games? Right. You know, he, he looked good against starters last year. That's, you know, he's done that. He's done the protection. He's seen all that. And so I think that's, you know, so you're not putting him ahead of that. You're not putting him ahead of Antonio Gibson and Peyton Barber for whatever anybody wants to say. The bottom line is, first of all, they really like Patterson. So I'm putting him on. But they also like Barber. So now if 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 one of those group that group was going to be cut, well, you'd probably say him. But even though Patterson's role is a lot more like JD McKissick's, but you can't get rid of him. You know, so and and Barber also does have a role on special teams. He's one of the upbacks. So, you know, there's you can't just I think that's why I say I think it's going to be four of them if you know that's what I think it'll be. And I think you keep nine alignment and four backs, or maybe, you know, if you want to keep 10 linemen, maybe you keep one more guy in offense than you, than you would have otherwise. But I do think, so I don't, I don't, based on what I've heard, I don't think it would be Barber. Um, and again, it's not a one for one with them. And I think too many people think it's like that and it's not because they fill a different role. If you don't have Barber, that's fine. I'm not saying he's the best back, well, then, and you're not trust yet. If, do you trust Gibson in those short yardage roles? Because if you don't, well, then who's that guy? You know, and so yeah. you'd still need the guy. And so Barber still fills a role, whether or not Patterson is here or not. You're not putting Patterson, if you cut, if you have all four, you're not putting Patterson in there ahead of Barber in a third and one in the third quarter of the, pre- of the season open. So there's a role for both of them would be my point. And yeah. I like what Patterson can develop into. I, you know, when they got, when they signed him, you kind of thought, well, listen, we could be looking at McKissick's replacement in 2022, you know, let him be on there, get him around here, let him develop in protection, let him develop here. And now you don't have to pay your third down back. You've got him right here. That's how you draft and develop. And you don't always have to keep your guy. You just have to be able to replace him in house. And that's, that's where he fits in. So I think I'm avoiding who might the surprise guy be because I don't know. You know, I, I think, and sometimes Ben too, like what's a surprise to us may not, you know, what, what might be a surprise to others. wouldn't be a surprise to us. Right. Um, I think you'd have to look at safety. Well, like Kelvin because, Harmon, people were like, some people were like freaking out that Kelvin Harmon was cut. I was like, he was drawing dead the whole time. He had no right. chance. And, basically yeah. And right. I never, I never had him on. So I'm not surprised. But a surprise to me would be, what do you do at safety? Because those are some name guys there, right? You know, I'm keeping DeShays Rubber because he's really, he's great on special teams and he can play from scrimmage. What about Jeremy Reeves? Does he make it? Or are you keeping Derek Forrest? Or are you keeping six safeties? 
Because if you don't, Forrester or Reeves, and I think going back to the draft pick quote, I think Forrest status may matter this year. I've always liked Jeremy Reeves, but can you find a spot for him? That is that a surprise though? He's he's on the back end. I think, you know, so it would almost have to be, I mean, the surprise guys are always the guy who's like, oh, I thought he was going to start and now you cut him. Who is that guy? I mean, you know, um, well, you're good. You, 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 yeah. you, you, you've played it through. You, you, you have some time to think about it. Ron <laughs> Rivera just told us we have 21 days till the opener. You don't have that long till what to long. No, I got to turn into 53 in a, in about a week or so. Right. right. You don't have, you don't have too long, but we build more game. Um, but just quick inside baseball, the, 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 the running bit of, of bits with me and my podcast is that Ben holds people for an hour and a half for his interviews. And we started this podcast. I said to John, do you need me to get you out of here at some point? John kind of said, no, but you know, let's not be here all day. He didn't say that, but I, I <laughs> had he said that. And I just looked at the clock. It's already 10 minutes past when I was about, when I, my head, I was going to end this because this is what happens. I like, I like having these conversations. <laughs> and I lose track of the time. So it's the beauty of a podcast. <laughs> it is. So I got one last, one last question. And then I'll let you get on with, with your life. And that is to sort of go back to the bigger picture component of this. Like it's the idea of, we, I, we haven't really talked about the defense here. Obviously, they did a pretty good job against a Bengals offense without Joe Burrow, so a pretty muted uh, opponent there in that respect. But, you know, that's part of the situation. The defense is probably going to lead the way. So whatever you think of this team, it's probably going to be that. And I guess the basic question is, overall, like beyond the quarterback, like what do we feel about this team? And But that's not really my question. My question is more or less, I know it is very hard, both for a reporter sometimes and for fans, to – maintain proper perspective and context because we're so focused on this one team that we yeah. we can lose sight of you know whatever you think of Fitzpatrick or Heineke how do they compare to others for better or or for worse same thing with the defense I'm not aware exactly of everything that's happening in Dallas or New York or Philly I see the headlines I'm not watching all their all, all, everything so it's important to maintain some level of perspective so I'm wondering one I guess how do you having done this for a minute <laughs> maintain your perspective when everything is kind of happening you don't you don't seem to get caught up with the hype of, over this guy or that guy it's not easy to maintain though uh, uh, uh that, that proper perspective and then i guess to to sum it out what where are you on the team overall right now yeah and i think sometimes ben it is hard because we don't you know i'm not watching any of that stuff either because to be honest like even on a day like today you come home and in the morning i'm watching this game again and looking at you know this and that trying to break this down this team down and then we have the press conference and you know we're talking i'm going to work some more after this by the end of the day i don't want to sit there and watch dallas <laughs> come on you know i mean i need you know um I, i'd lose a lot of my hair and so it's just because like you need to you talk about going back to the earlier stuff you need to sometimes get away from stuff and just watch something that's you know either baseball or just or not sports related something doesn't always have to be football or it doesn't have to be to it can may just be just for enjoyment versus boy I better learn about the Cowboys the Giants like I have we have just like you I have a reporter in those cities I can ask them <laughs> you know I'll just email them. but I think the way I keep it is how does this team look to me like is this a 10-win team is this a seven-win team I remember there was one year when Gibbs was here and they started kind of slow. And I remember thinking, like, in camp, I'm like, this is a nine-win team. And, like, they're, they're better than – or nine- or ten-win team. Like, And they were struggling. I'm like, they're better than this based on what I saw. I can't believe they're like this. They're better than this. And then they won, like, I think four or five in a row to end the season, and they end up with nine wins. 
I'm like, well, that's who I thought they were. So you try to measure it that way. Like, I don't, you know, you, you look at the schedule and all that, but we don't know what the schedule is going to, how it's going to unfold as far as all these, not all these quarterbacks are going to miss these games, but somebody might, you know, one of these, you know, Mahomes or one of those guys may miss a game or two. Um, how are those teams playing with those quarterbacks? We don't know yet. We just know it's a tough road. So I try to look in like, where, where are they strong? Where do they, where are they good? And they're, and, and how does that translate to a season? And, they have a really good defensive line. We know that. Now, what we, you know, on defense, what I don't know is what's Jamin Davis's impact going to be. Will he be at the level that they need him to be to have a consistent run defense, for example, and filling in the gaps and all that? You know, is that going to? How's that going to look? Um, I mean, because I think that's a big key. Offensively, I like the line depth, but what about that starting unit? I like how Cosby's progressed. Um, so then you look at that and say, okay, I think they have, a, I think the potential is there for, for a solid offensive line. We know the defense line is going to be top, top notch potential there for a better offensive line, maybe can, can better consistency because of the depth. So that's all good. So I look at that and say, well, I'd like the building blocks and all that. So you kind of say, are you seeing the right things develop? You know, what, what you're hearing it from players is a lot of repeating of what coaches are saying, which I always take as a good sign. You know, so that it's the buy-in factor. So, you know, and then, but then you, know, then you look at the quarterback. And so, like, if you look at the quarterback, you say, well, with this base of talent, if you put a higher-level quarterback in there, they're considered really good. But they don't have that guy. So that's where you say probably nine or ten wins. That's where I look at them. So I try to arrive, arrive at it that way. And it's difficult because, you know, you say that, like I say that, and, you know, a couple, like, Two years ago, the Jays last year, you knew it was going to be a disaster. And I think I even remember picking like, I don't know, maybe six or seven wins. But that was like back in the spring. It was like going into the season, like you knew you're like you're way off on that. That's oh, like, right. you know what I mean? If you're going seven to nine, that's usually a very pessimistic viewpoint. You know, six and ten, seven, and nine. That usually is saying, I think there's probably it could be worse. Um, so, you know. So you're not always right on it, but you try to gauge like, how do they come across? Is this a 12 win team? And I haven't seen many of those. I haven't seen any of those here. Um, you know, I think this team does have that feel because of, of a lot of the building blocks they have. I don't think Chase Young is not a mirage. Montez Sweat is not a mirage. Terry McLaurin, not a mirage. Curtis Samuel, when he gets out there, if he can stay out there, he'll be good, right? So I think De'Ami Brown, got to learn about him. We can see, we like some stuff, got to learn. Antonio Gibson, I'm high on him, but how's he going to progress? We don't, we don't know where I'm guessing, and I think it'll be good. And I've seen some good signs, but how is it? So I think there's enough questions to weigh you, to bring you back a little bit, um, you know, and, and how they fit in the division. I really kind of focus on how good do I think this team is? And then say, okay, then you look at the schedule. So maybe if you think, well, could they win 10 or 11? Then you look at the schedule and say, well, I think with this schedule, that's going to be difficult. So that's why I say I look at them as in that nine to 10 win area as, you know, maybe 10 as a ceiling. Um, and if all goes, if Fitzpatrick goes off, well, then you can be better. But I'm not anticipating that because he hasn't shown that in his career, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's how I kind of arrive at that. I do, you know, I like a lot of what I've seen. And there were sometimes even in the past regime that, you know, you'd see some stuff, but you also knew, well, they're, they're weak here. 
they haven't answered this question. There's a lot of if, 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 you know, and here we're asking, well, could Chase Young become the best defensive end this year? I mean, that's a conversation. How, we haven't had that, right? You know, I mean, and, and I don't think he will this year because that's asking quite a bit. But he's, but you see the, you see the talent. We saw what we did last year. We see how he and Montez are in practice. So I think there are legitimate reasons to believe that those guys will be really good. I think in the past, there were too many times where I'd look at some of these guys. I'm like, these, you know, I'd hear from players like, oh, we have all these great players. I'm like, like, well, who, <laughs> you know, like they're names, but they're not great players anymore. Or, you know, they're, I don't know. You just, so you just kind of knew that this team, I feel like is a little bit different in that regard. So I think that, so I think that answers both questions in one. And so long, and the reason why we went longer is because I taught, I gave a long answer like that. So that's, there you go. There you go. No, this to you. This is why I don't ask everybody these uh, philosophical questions because not everybody can handle it. But when you've seen it all, like you have, you know, it, it, it comes uh, naturally. Plus, you are a, uh, a, a a podcaster in your own right on the John Kime Report, which obviously, if you're listening to this, you're clearly listening to John's podcast, and you're following him on Twitter at John underscore Kime. You're probably hearing my dog in the background too now. Oh, my my cat makes frequent appearances on this podcast. My cat's name is Lenny, so I can't call it the standard room only with Lenny because me at Mina Kimes is already. Yeah. Yeah. Mina's got that, that one. Yeah. But, but yeah, but no, I, uh, pets are encouraged. I, I don't have any real issue. <laughs> Screaming babies. And that's a little bit different. Um, <laughs> John definitely appreciate it. Go, go subscribe to his, uh, his podcast again, go follow him on Twitter. A second time. Be nice. Of course, if you're, if you're talking to John on Twitter, I, I would say that with Russell for sure, but like do that with everybody. Yeah, Russell. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks man. Appreciate it. Thanks Ben. All right. Many thanks to John Kime for his time. Many thanks to everybody here for checking out the podcast. If you are new to this podcast, um, I definitely appreciate you checking it out. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Again, if you're an iTunes person and you have a second to drop a rating and a review, I won't hate you for it. I really appreciate it. And if you haven't checked out The Athletic, it's a great time to get in right before the season starts. Uh, like I said, I've got a fun project coming up on Tuesday if you want to wait for that. So be it, but there's always a discount lurking um, on the website. So if you wait till Tuesday, um, follow me on Twitter at Ben Standing. You'll see the link. You can jump in that way and go from there. That's it for now uh, on the podcast. Ben Standing signing off. Until next time. See ya.